and back with you again for another episode of Automatic. This is episode number nine. Steffi, we are into February. That means we're less than a month from madness beginning with conference tournaments. And I'm sitting here thinking, what the French toast? Where did the season go so fast? I mean, like, here we are, the craziness, right? I know. It's always like January goes by so fast and you blink, February comes and then I'm at the SEC tournament doing 13 games in five days. Like, I, I know how this goes, and it's just like a blip. I mean, how quickly. And But a lot of entertaining games over the weekend. I was at the – I was at uh, – I was saw the number one team in the country. I, I had South Carolina, Florida. Florida was a team that we had talked about and was surging. Three, three victories against uh, top 25 teams. I was really curious, you know, just – what Florida was made of. I mean, South Carolina can really expose you um, if you're not ready to play. In Rich, the first quarter was so tough for the Gators. They missed like 15 layups. And you've seen South Carolina play. I've seen South Carolina play. Like their defense, they don't turn you over a lot, but they're so big that I think like in Florida's head, it they just could not make a layup. I mean, the crowd, the crowd was like, oh, next, oh, like every possession. And it was just, uh, it was tough for them to come back. So, I mean, you know, South Carolina ultimately prevailed, but not a bad showing by Florida, but. It seemed like it was just a situation where was Florida just so uptight because it was number one team in the country. I think it was a lot of things, you know, having almost 7,000 people in the stands, the largest crowd since 1999, that's going to amp you up. A lot of people are talking about you now being in the NCAA tournament. That's going to amp you up. And then, not to mention, we square off with the number one team in the country. You're obviously amped to play them. And so I was just, you know, I, I, that first quarter, I thought they could just get the jitters out. And then I think against a team like South Carolina, when you get down, you know, they were up by like 28 at one point. I mean, Florida came within 12. So they fought back. They fought back. Yeah. In the second half, they played a lot better. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. South Carolina is so scary. Look, my parents were at the game, and my dad was like, man, they got a lot of tall girls on their team. Yeah, dad, they do. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the obvious, Jesus, dad. dad. Yeah. <laughs> he is a musician, for the record. He's not a sports guy. So, you know, it's just uh, it's funny. But, you know, my mom is such a Hoops fan. She was watching the Florida men's team the night before with their comeback against Oklahoma State. She watched the Blue Bloods game, Kansas-Kentucky. She's like, oh, my God, are you watching Kentucky? And I'm like, I'm watching Oscar. Don't worry. I'm, I love you know, it. That game was, um, if you want to put a stamp on, you know, uh, how good you are, what a, what a stage, and then the way they won just dominated them. Absolutely incredible. You're talking about domination from beginning to end. And that's my team of the week is Kentucky. Just because of what they were able to do, scoring 51 points against Kansas in the first half. I mean, that's unheard of. And again, just how they did it from the opening tip all the way until the end of the game. And based on, I think it was ESPN stats they had uh, sent out, that's the largest margin of victory, 18 points for Kentucky on the road against a top five team in their program history. So wow. this was a big win. And also, Steffi, Bill Self, he doesn't lose at home. That's only the right. 16th loss at home in 19 years. 
at Kansas. That is absolutely insane. And he's won 15 Big 12 titles. So they don't lose at Allen Fieldhouse that often. And when they do, it's definitely not by 18 points, not domination like Kentucky did. I mean, Keon Brooks went off for 27 points. Oscar Shibway does Oscar Shibway things. 17 points, 14 rebounds, four steals. I mean, when Kentucky is healthy, because at least Ty Ty Washington was back in the lineup and played, he didn't play all that well, but he did enough penetrating and distributing. When they're healthy, they seem like the team to beat. All right now. I know. Alabama. I can't make heads or tails of Alabama. I know. I know. You know, Jimmy Jimmy Dykes on the call, and I love Jimmy's jet, his segment that he does. Uh, did, I don't know if you got to see that. I didn't that. see like, this one, no. The teams that go into coach, first class, uh, that, <laughs> so creative. Like, I just love Jimmy. And, uh, you know, he was talking about just the, the way that Alabama plays. Like, when they play that way, it, they always had a response. Baylor would come back, Baylor, and then Alabama would just not let off the gas. And then you you watch that and you go, huh, don't you think they're – at least a Sweet 16. I mean, they make a run, right? I know, but they just lost to Georgia, and then they come back and beat Baylor. Now, Baylor didn't have L.J. Cryer, so I I get that. But still, Alabama, they are on the ultimate roller coaster ride right now, and I can't make heads or tails of them. I think at the end of the day, they just struggle making defensive stops when it counts, but they did against Baylor, and that was the difference in – they're just hard to judge right now. And I like yeah. Nate Oates. We've talked about that yeah. before. Yeah. It's just so difficult to judge. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I just, it was a good performance for them. And hell of a it, performance. It's a, sick, it's a signature win. And you need it, is. especially going into February. So we'll see what. Well, what and they, they needed that. that. Yeah, they needed that because they'd already beaten Gonzaga, they'd beaten Houston, and now to beat Baylor, even though, you know, they've had some tough losses. So they needed that to balance out some of those bad losses that they've had. And Alabama, we know, I mean, they're a dangerous team. So come SEC tournament time, they could be a handful for somebody if they obviously get hot. Now, I've already gone on record and said there's no way Alabama's going to win the SEC championship. Uh, I think Kentucky and Auburn are just too good. I think it's going to come down to one of those teams. But Alabama still – at the end of the day, they've got enough talent, they can do it. I just don't know if they can put it all together just because they are so up and down. In reference to Jimmy's Jet, which I only saw a snippet of, but I would say Kentucky and Auburn are sitting comfortably in first, and Alabama was in coach and maybe is in like business, business <laughs> class trying to uh, vie for first. Yes, exactly. But, yeah, Alabama's, they're, they're, they're peeking through that curtain, or they're trying to slide it over at least, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? <laughs> and they're the trying to get in there, but... Yes, the flight attendant keeps closing it on them, <laughs> right? Well, the SEC had a hell of a showing in the SEC Big 12. Oh, don't even challenge. get me started. Yes, okay, you're going to rub I'm it in. I'm not ragging you. Yes, you are. You. My automatic for the week last week was that the Big 12 was going to dominate this SEC Big 12 challenge, that they would win at least 7-3 to three is what I was thinking, and sure enough, first game, TCU takes down LSU. And that was one that I felt LSU was actually going to win that game. So I felt that I was even in better position. And then Iowa State wins. So now all of a sudden, 
The Big 12 is What'd up. What'd you two, say? No, oh, What'd you say? I was like, hell yeah, it's over. Count it, baby. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> Literally, out loud, I said, I got this one. Automatic is in the bag, Steph. And then all of a sudden, SEC, SEC, SEC. It just continued. And then until finally, Texas got the final win, but it didn't matter at that point and ended up SEC takes it six to four. I was surprised by that outcome. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised too. Um, it was a good showing for the SEC, but there were some pretty good games. I, I thought, you know, Kansas, Kentucky would be closer. Of course, everybody and, did. So did everyone. Yes. And the way that it was. Did. But didn't we learn from last night, the Rams game, never say never? Never. Come on. Never say never. I know. And who did you pick, Rams, 49ers, or Bengals, Chiefs? Who'd you have in the Super Bowl? Well, I'm not an SEC homer, but I, I honestly didn't pick a team. But oh, my goodness, come the, on, lady! In the Super Bowl, in the Super Bowl, think about it: Burrow, LSU, I Stafford. I know. That's cool. You see, you are an SEC homer. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's, just, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yes, it's I true. knew it. Football wise, I mean, yes, because I've been meaning to ask you. I saw you this weekend. Alumni weekend out there on the court doing the Gator Chomp and getting everybody amped up there. How was that? How did it feel being back there with a the crowd and everything? That was awesome. You know, I I watched practice the night uh, the day before and talked to talked to the team and I've actually talked to quite a few teams this year. I don't know what it is, some sort of spell around me or whatever, but just kind of putting my message out there and kind of my story. And it's so funny every time, Rich, that I talk to these kids. And I say that I was a walk-on, and then I started every game. They all gasp. Every time I, I say, <gasps> like, it's so unfathomable to players that someone could walk on and start every game. Like, that – so I think it hits home for players, just like, oh, wow, you know, like, I don't – I don't uh, I don't know. It's it's just funny. So when I was talking to the Florida team and I mentioned that, and they all were like, I can't believe it. What? And – Obviously, the message didn't work, but uh, <laughs> it was against the number one team. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, South Carolina is so good, and uh, but you know, Kelly Ray Finley's done such a good job in that interim position, and she's really in a tricky spot. I mean, she really is in a tricky spot. She got handed, I feel like, a really bad hand. Shit hit the fan with Cameron Newbauer, right? Like, of course, all the bad news came out. He was now he he was out, and so she takes she takes over, and. She's in a position where it was late, where they made this all this announcement, announcement right, so they can't find a new coach, so they name her the interim. They didn't name her the head coach, so there's uncertainty, right? It's kind of what we're seeing at Texas A&M, like no successor for Gary Blair, and so the team is not performing well. There's Who's going to be the head coach? A lot of coaches now are out recruiting, so if Taylor really Finley doesn't know if she's going to be the coach, then there's no recruiting. She's not going to lie to a kid. So... How do they, how does she go about her business in terms of recruiting? And so I think it's a big reason why Lav Briggs, uh, who's a superstar in SEC, uh, she was battling injuries, but she left for Maryland. Some uncertain, I mean, there's layers to it. But uh, I don't know, Rich. I don't know what's going to happen. Everyone asks me, and I, I really don't know, uh, you know, Scott Strickland, AD at Florida, what, what they're going to do. But I feel like they might want to move on. Yeah, but why? But I why? don't know. Yeah, why would they not give it to her? She's performed well, and to your point, based on the circumstances, I mean, I think Florida's had a hell of a year so far. 
all things considered. For sure. Rich, they were they were picked to finish eleventh, and I think, and then they lose their best player. Yes, and they're they were sitting at third going into that game on Sunday, and I'm they're they're potentially in the NCAA tournament. So she'll obviously interview for the job. I, I just you know how it is in hiring today. It's no different than in every sport, football, bat. It's the splash hire, the splash name, and it's just it's I don't know what it is with administrations, and it's just that's what that's what seems to be landscape of hiring how can we create a new buzz or something it's like well you've got someone who's leading your team and there's seven thousand fans there to watch them so (laughs) exactly um, she's making a case i think regardless rich she's she's auditioning either for that job for a power five job so 100 percent, she will get another coaching job if she doesn't become head coach there at florida i mean she's at least proving that she can run a power five program without a doubt Yeah. Well, it brings up something that I was thinking about during the game. There's a point guard for South Carolina, and she, uh, Destiny Henderson, she's a senior now, but the portal is the portal, right? Everybody jumps in there. They're not happy. And I'm okay with, if you're not happy and you leave at the end of the season, you want to pursue your happiness somewhere else, by all means, go. Whatever. Don't leave during the middle of the year. No, no. (laughs) That's called quitting. It's an unpopular opinion. It is what it is, but it's quitting. So uh, my studio counterpart, Andrea Carter, and I were arguing about this the other night about leaving in the middle of the season. If it's best for you to leave, then you got to. And I said, no, it's not. It's called quitting. And my mom said, if you start something, you finish it. And so we were jab- jabbing back and forth. I mean, it's all, it's all good. But Destiny is a person that on the flip side, and I think we'll talk about this during your automatic, Someone who waits. She sat behind Ty Harris, right? Ty Harris was in the WNBA. She waited two years, learned, and figured out how to be a point guard. And now she's on the best team in the country, living it up. She's got the deals. She's doing it. You know, she's got she's got it all going for her. And so there is a story that you can leave, go find another team, and be happy. But you can also stay, wait, learn, be mentored, and be in a great position. And that's like something we don't want to talk about. I think that's such a big part of what's being missed in terms of we need to be lifting up these type of stories to showcase that the grass is not always greener. And especially when there's so many players looking at the transfer portal. But let's look at some of the examples where they don't transfer and they stay and they're still able to be in a really good position, whether it's they're getting a whole lot of playing time or they're just a key contributor to a team. I mean, there's that aspect of it as well, but we don't talk about that. It's always about, oh, let's look who's transferring, where are they going and how they're going to impact this team and what's going to be best for them. Sometimes the best is actually just staying put where you are. And we don't emphasize that enough because it's the microwave generation Let's get the results now. Let's let's move on rather than in life. You know, Steph, I mean, that's why you believe in this. Sometimes patient is a good thing. Yeah. Well, there's an argument that you can say, well, if it's toxic, they need to get out. And you can argue, counterpoint, yeah, but they might also learn a lot by staying. And, you know, I don't necessarily know. It's, no, it's not my place I'm not saying anyone who leaves in the middle of the season is a bad person. I can just simply disagree 
And I think they need to shut the portal during a certain amount of time. And, I, you know, the NCAA, the NCAA will never do that. But I, I just, there's so much of this now. I think it's just a trend that's going to start happening if a month and a half into a season, kids are like, it's not playing. Mom's like, well, then you need to go, mom, dad, agent, whoever. You need to go somewhere else. They can make you more money. They can, you can play. Like, you can become the face. Yada, yada, yada. So then how do, like, fans really get to know you as a team and as a player? And how does a coach commit to a, a team if, if there's a constant revolving door? They don't. That's the problem. And it is a But coaches can, can leave. Coaches can I leave. Know. And that's what players argue. And I understand that, okay? But I agree. Yes. And that's why I'm an advocate for players being able to leave as well. And especially not being in a situation where you have to sit out. And I'm just going to share a story. My freshman year of college, you know, I think I had... Two roommates leave. We had at least three or four players get up, get on an airplane and just peace. Right? They didn't even, I don't even know if they told the coaches. They just left. And I was borderline. Like, I was so miserable. My coach was so hard on us. Like, he was brutal. Like, brutal. And when you say brutal, what does that mean? Oh, man. I think the expectations that he had for me were so high. And I was 17, 18. I had no idea. Right? And uh, you know, two workouts a day plus a game. Or, you know, just a tough story <laughs> was we became the number one team in the nation. This is at a time we were transitioning to Division One, but we are still in D2. And when we became the number one team in the country, we didn't, we didn't go to practice. We got off the bus and we ran. And it was so crazy. <laughs> we had traveled all day and our coach said, no, don't go back to the dorms. We're heading to the gym. We're thinking, are we going to do a shoot or something? No, you don't need your basketball shoes. Just your running shoes. There's no balls out there. And we just ran for an hour. Wow. And I will say this. It was the best year I'd ever played. Uh, you know, I, hit, I think I had 100 threes in the season. I mean, it wasn't the same as competing in the SEC, but shit, we... Killed Division One teams when we played them. Okay. Hey, 100 threes is 100 threes, lady. Come 100 threes is 100 threes. Yeah. Can flat out coach. But when you're going through stuff like that, you're a freshman, you're far away from home, and five or six, they've already walked out. They've left. Players have quit. You know, there's like eight of us left, nine, maybe nine. I, I forget. And, but we were so tight knit. It's like we all rallied around each other, right? And I learned so much about myself, life, what was hard, what wasn't. Like, when I got, Rich, when I got to Florida, and maybe we had to run, like, a 400 one more time, I was like, this is nothing. <laughs> and I'm not even putting anyone on black. Like, we would do certain stuff, and I was like, people would be bitching about it. I'm like, I mean, there was some hard stuff that we did, but I was like, this is nothing. This is nothing. Now, I could have left when it got really hard. And I'm not of the old school mentality like, oh, you know, you need to suffer and your mental health needs to decline. Like, I'm not in that category. Like, legit, I was suffering, but, like, I also persevered after a year. And I didn't have the portal, so I had to do a year of JUCO and riding on buses to games. Like, I wasn't <laughs> chartering flights and all that BS, right? So, like, I, you just learned, you learned a lot of life experience about yourself and how you react to adversity. And so I think that, like, what... What bothers me when I hear these stories is like, I get there's adversity, but man, on the other side of persevering through it, 
man, you just grow so much. Like, don't, like, don't give in when it gets super hard. That's all I can say. Yes, you grow two to three times to four times more when you're facing that type of adversity than you do when everything is peaches and creams. It's just the reality of it. That's how life works. That's why when when I'm talking to kids and I, I give them my story or whatever, they, they, they gasp. And well, how did you think you could start or play? And I'm like, dude, I'd been through the ringer. This was nothing. They didn't give a shit about me. Like, I was like, just wait. <laughs> you know, like, I remember conversations of, uh, with coaches that, you know, you'll be, you'll come off the bench. We just need a couple of shots, you know, eight to 10 minutes. That's all we need from you. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, I'm going to turn eight to 10 until at least 38 minutes. There you go. <laughs> Make it to you cannot play without me. And I just, you know, those, those mindsets you can really spot. Um, in the game now, like the, the kids just got it, you know, but it, it, it's just, it's different. It's a different generation. Um, and I'm not going on some sort of like, Oh, in my day, I'm 33. Right. I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not old, but you know, I'm, I'm a little bit separated. <laughs> I'm a little bit separated, you know, just generation, generation, generationally um, from kids playing today. But I sympathize with some of the things, but, I'm just, I just think about like, gra the grass can be greener, but you gotta, you gotta finish the season. Yeah. Now I agree with that 100%. You gotta finish the season. Some people don't like it. Some, some people, you know, just from sharing those views, people are, you're not respecting a student athlete and, oh, they think this or they think that. And like, that's fine. But like, let's just, hey, if you don't want to finish out the year, like that's called quitting. But that's, just a little bit of the difference of a shift in the players that st stayed and stuck it out. And obviously, like, there was no portal and you couldn't automatically play the next year, right? People still did transfer. Obviously, I did. But um, I should say on that, my freshman year of college, at least four of those people are now head coaches. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there was something there. Yes. Right? We just had to get through all that. And, and there's a reason why some players who were good at their job and performed such and such, they weren't necessarily superstars, make really good head coaches because everything wasn't given to them. And, you know, that really got it out. Um, except for Mulkey, obviously, like she's like the winningest head coach, like percentage wise and like only lost two games as a player. So <laughs> Yeah, everybody was recruiting her as Cast well. That aside. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's always an anomaly. I yeah, I don't I'm not I don't mean to rant, but I was just thinking about this like obviously during the game and, and then when I was talking about it with Drea with uh Rikia Jackson leaving Mississippi State, she was leading the league in scoring in February and I'm just like, Wow, like this is crazy. I can't I can't imagine that. You know, I don't know what she's going through. I I wish her the best, obviously. Um but it doesn't mean like you know can't be entitled to your opinion. I played the game too. Oh, so. exactly. And that, I think that's what's so valuable is that you have already walked that walk and you can say, I've been in your shoes because I've done it. And not only just have you played all of the different experiences through that whole path that you were on. I mean, that journey was not just a typical from high school to college. And then now you're a, you know, broadcaster. I mean, 
it was, it was a meandering path that you talked about, right? <laughs> so you had some ups and downs. You're like Alabama. Whoa, hot down. I am, <laughs> right? I am a roller coaster. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. You know, I, I remember that my coach, Amanda Butler, sat me down my senior year to talk about like expectations for me. And she said, you know, you've never been anywhere long enough to have a second year. Are you Ooh. capable of actually being a leader? And it like really smacked me in the face. I believe I cried at Long John Silver's where we I asked to go for lunch. Still a joke <laughs> between us today. A great seafood I think I started, location. I think I held it back. I mean, you, you've seen Coach Butler and she's, she's a tough woman. And I was like, wow, like dose of reality, right? I hadn't been anywhere to play for a second year. So it was gut Ooh. punch, but right? Yeah, to hear that. <laughs> Shit, that was hard. You thought you were Miss Badass walking in there, and all of a sudden, whoa! Wait a second. All right. But you know, parents are so involved, and agents are involved, and um, AAU coaches are involved. But I'll, I'll never forget. My mom wanted to come down there, and when I wanted to transfer my freshman year, and I said, "Stay home. It's, I have to do this." Yeah. And that was probably the hardest, the hardest thing I had to do was to walk into my coach's office and say, "I'm, I would like to transfer." And now you can just tweet it. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they don't even – your coaches sometimes probably find find out on social media. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. What just happened? <laughs> or that they got fired. Or that yes. they got hired, you know. That's right. <laughs> it's a, like Tom Brady finding out he retired through Adam Schefter on Twitter. Like, that's that's a whole – we're all trying to navigate our best through this whole social media shit show that, that that's it right. has become. And I, I understand that. I can, I can never have imagined – a time of being an athlete and having my life under a microscope and always on camera, like everything always. is documented. Like I'm glad a lot of stuff wasn't documented. Okay. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> we were at, how was that Florida during a good time? Yes, so you were. Yes. We are all my team. We all joked like, I'm glad there was no Instagram. You know, I barely had a Facebook, but, um, cause one of the questions Gary Blair asked me what his team was. How did you block out the noise? Well, I think about the noise that the average kid, he can get onto his Instagram or Twitter. But but the amount of random people telling you how terrible you are. That's right. Basketball is a different, different animal. You have an off game. I mean, the, you know what I mean? Yes. The noise, even when I was uh, at Clemson, I mean, for me, I mean, there was nothing. I mean, there was no form of communication other than landlines. That was it. <laughs> you know, I mean. You're going you way back. Way back. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you had fax machines and landlines and didn't even have email at the time. So, I mean, then as, during your playing career, I mean, it was a little bit more, but nothing what it is today. I mean, it would be very hard to be in that position. And I think you're seeing it's where some of these players are coming out and letting people know the mental side of it and how it is affecting them and, you know, yeah. that they are stepping away from the game for a period of time. I do sympathize. And, and my, my message was to just eliminate those distractions. Like I only have one line of social media because I don't want strangers having an ability to talk to me and like say weird shit to me. Like there, so I was in studio on Thursday with Alyssa Lang and Andrea Carter. I'm not putting this person on blast, but there's someone that tweets at her every Thursday that, Andrea's going to be in Alyssa's wedding. It's like, it's weird. And then I was there and they tagged me and I was like, Lang, why don't you just like tweet back at him? She goes, oh, can't, can't do that. Like she just, 
I've heard I've heard from so many females, and I'm, I'm not. I know we're getting off topic, but that just gets so much hate, and it's just not worth it. And it's the same for players. It's anybody in a high powered position, and it's just if you eliminate that access, you can see the people that are free. That they there's a sense of freeness about them because they're not tied down to the comments. So leave them be. Don't read them. Agreed 100%. I can only imagine what it would be like as a female and especially like in your shoes, who is a public figure and being on TV and all of that. I know you probably get bombarded all the time from people trying to reach out to you directly and some crazy people, I would imagine. <laughs> not just, you know, like, hey, I want to reach out for this business opportunity, Steffi. <laughs> you know, it's not that, right? <laughs> the, the worst the worst that I got was, uh, we're going to title this episode um, Comments. The Comments. So, um, the a, a guy found my email address. I was doing football for Fox. And he told me on Christmas, I hope you get hit by a car, you ugly bitch. <laughs> And I showed my dad, and I was like, I mean, do we need to do something about this? Because it's like a threat. And I was actually kind of scared. Like, does this guy know? I was living in Atlanta by myself. Like, you know, so there is some, there's just a lot more out there that, yeah, you have to respect anybody's, like, well-being. You know, I, I would never say anything. What would make someone say that to somebody in general? I don't know. It's a sickness. It is honestly. a sickness. I don't get it, Steffi. I just don't get it. I, I, and, yeah. And I'm not trying to... Let alone to a, like an 18-year-old kid. What, yes. what makes you think you can say that to someone? No. It's because there's no repercussions in terms of... I mean, it's basically, they're viewing it as it's anonymous. That they can easily do it because... They're not facing anybody. They're not, you know, in front of anybody talking, you know, person to person. It's so easy for them to do. And that's obviously the downside of this whole social media uh, entity, you know, the so, this whole social media world that we live in right now. It's crazy. Yeah. That's why I'm working on my sat phone. <laughs> what? <laughs> sat phone? Satellite? A big ass phone? Exactly. Oh, yes, that's I know. That's how you can call me from now on, Rich. You just call me on my sat phone. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> See, that's you going back. I'm, that's going way that's back. That's going then. way back. Yeah. Yes, it is. We're going yeah. to see a time. I don't know when it'll be, when there's going to be like a switch of like, it'll be cool if you're not on social media. Like, like we're going through a time where it's like, you've, you've got to be, but I think like, you know, history will come full circle. But anyway, let me switch gears. Um, someone that I should call on my sat phone is my player of the week is Cameron Brink from Stanford Ridge. Okay. Let me tell you about Cameron Brink. This kid's 6'4". For Stanford, Stanford's good. I think that they're still they're a Final Four team, but another 2010 game for her. But she blocks shots. She's got ties to Steph Curry, so she's had that in her back pocket from since she was little. Okay, she's she just continues to get better. And Haley Jones is someone on Stanford that was considered to be like a top five player coming into the year, and she's having a really good season. But Cameron Brink is definitely different. She she's got this length and speed. Like if you watched her play, you'd be like, it's almost like of beauty the way she can run the floor just she's a she's on she's a six four guard she's a six four guard wow six four so, guard yeah that's six four guard it, yeah that that's ridiculous think about it like six four as a female guard shoot it handles block shots you know finds open teammates just unselfish she's got some grit to her like she's not afraid to put you on the ground which i think is fun but uh 
It's my inner UFC fighter coming out. Yeah, okay. Life. <laughs> We're getting way off track. All right. No, I got to see this because I know. I, I got to see all this, lady. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. I want to see this whole other side I don't know about yet. Well, maybe in another life I would have been a UFC fighter. See, I tr- so my junior year, going into my senior year at Florida, I started boxing, and there was like a dojo in, on campus, and like one of our eight assistant ADs, he was there, and it was like this hole in the wall. But I was I was boxing all the time. They wanted me to fight, and father was like, "No." Fight. What do you mean? I'm like, <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm I'm almost six foot. 135 was my weight class. Like I'm very tall for my weight class. And uh, so I've I've always boxed since then. But UFC is a different animal. Like in another life. But you know, I boxed the other day. I was in Tuscaloosa for a game, and I just instead of Orange Theory or all that, I just said, let me go. I did a one on one session with one of the fighter guys there at this uh, boxing place. And he was great. He kicked my <laughs> but it's all fun and games until you get hit. Yes. Until you get hit in the face that first time, it's okay. I'll just stick to the bag. That's right. Yeah, that's a little bit different. Well, I'm, I'm glad we're co-hosting together. So I'm on your side then. So you don't have to start boxing with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Now, so it looks like Stanford, I mean, are they still one of the teams to beat? Are they took care of Arizona. So, I mean, we're going to put them, will they be on the number one line? I think so. I think so. I think they'll, they'll prevail out of the PAC 12. Um, they've been a really consistent team. Um, so is South Carolina. I think there's just, you know, the big, the, the big 12 is wide open, you know, Texas will play Baylor, you know, Vic Schaefer, uh, he's got Texas in a good spot at 13. Baylor's a team that's, you know, after the Mulkey departure. We, it's not that we haven't forgotten about them, but Melissa Smith, who plays for Baylor, is considered a lottery pick. So, you know, that'll be a really good game. Um, I believe it is at 8 o'clock on ESPN2 on Friday, so I'll be tuning into that one. Um, so that's my game of the week. My player of the week, Cameron Brink. Shout out, Stanford baller. Fantastic. Well, my game of the week just happened on Sunday as we're recording this on a Monday since I'm going to be traveling, so we're recording it a little bit earlier. But the Ohio State-Purdue game, and I know you were busy with the South Carolina-Florida game there in Gainesville, but good grief, what an unbelievable game. And just coming down to the game-winning shot, Jaden Ivey hits a three-pointer with .6 seconds to go. But this was one of those classic games, Steph, where – Purdue, they were in command, up by 20 points with 14 minutes to go in the game. And EJ Liddell and Ohio State, they just keep clawing away, just keep fighting and fighting and grinding and grinding. And then finally, EJ hits two huge three-pointers there uh, with like a less than a minute to go. But then Purdue has the last second shot. And this is what's so classic and what we love about basketball and just love about sports. I mean, it's the unpredictability and the ultimate reality TV show. But as you know, Steffi, you can have the best play drawn up. You can have everything, you know, that is going to be that you're going to be so prepared for that moment. But then when the red light's on and you're out there and the shit just starts going, you know, hitting the fan, so to speak. And there's no movement on offense. They can't figure out what's going on. Ohio State's playing good defense. And then all of a sudden, Jay Nivey says, all right, just give me the ball and let me take over. And he hits the three-pointer. And that's, that's how it happens sometimes. 
when you can have a guy that just takes over a game, I mean, it changes everything. And that's what Purdue has. I mean, it, it was supposed to go to Zach Eady, the big seven-footer, but they couldn't yeah. get any offensive rhythm going, and Jay Ivey just takes over. And so it, it was just one of those games where I'm watching it, and you just see as the climb. They're coming back. They're coming back. And, you know, I'm yelling at each time they're making these three-pointers. And then when uh, Ivy hits the three-pointer, I mean, I'm jumping up, and I have no dog in this fight. I just love seeing a good great basketball game. game. Great yeah, game. exactly. Yeah. So that's my game of the week. Purdue just – continues to find a, a way to win because at the end of the day, they have dudes that can take over when the shit is breaking down and they can win games. Well, and, you know, Purdue obviously is seeking that one line. Yes. And it, this is a, a really good quality win against Ohio State. You know, they wanted to protect their home court. Uh, but it also, Rich, like you kind of touched on it, but like staying ready is so underrated. Like there's going to be time where the play is wrong. It doesn't go to the right player. And if you're not ready, you know, there's so much at stake. And I feel like that's why you practice, because when you are in a moment like that, like, okay, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready. I, I have worked my, you know, what off to be in this position so I know I can hit the shot. And I think, like, being being ready and staying ready is a classic case yes. in the Purdue game. It was. But break down the play? Well, I'm ready. I'm ready. It's fine. Yeah. You don't blink. Yeah. And he didn't. He didn't hesitate one bit. It was like, all right, I got this. This this is my moment right here. And he just took over. And I, I love that aspect, uh, you know, from that standpoint. All right. So for my automatic of the week, this is a little bit a different automatic because it's not looking forward, but it's actually looking past. And it was such a good moment for me that it was just automatic. And there's been a lot of attention, obviously, on NIL and the controversies. Should it happen? Shouldn't it not? You know, in terms of having these athletes being able to earn off of their name, image, and likeness. But Andrew Jones, basketball player at Texas, who's been battling leukemia throughout his career, and he's missed some time at Texas not being able to play because of therapy that he's had to go through. So he just announced that 10% of the money that he's earning from his NIL opportunities, he's donating it back to the Jimmy V Foundation for more cancer research because he actually was part of the Jimmy V Foundation in terms of receiving therapy from the efforts of the Jimmy V Foundation. So I think it's just an amazing thing, amazing story that he's giving back. And this is one of those positive things that we need to be really showcasing that, see, look at the positive things that can come out of NIL. It's not all negative. There's definitely some other positives that can come out of it. So that's my automatic of the week, Mr. Andrew Jones, giving back to cancer research. I kind of want to lump myself into that because it, it was such a good story and there's always headlines of who's signing this deal and um, how impactful it is on not just basketball, but football as well. You know, quarterbacks are getting this and we focused on what they're getting, but this story really highlights what a player can give and give back. Love that. You know that. what I mean? Yes. Love that. It's and not it really always about it, getting, it's about giving back as well. 
I think that it's, I, how can I give another automatic? Like that for me, it seals it. It's, we've talked about a, a handful of things of players waiting their turn and highlighting those players that have really, you know, stuck it out and through ups and downs. And then this story, uh, I feel like we should see everywhere. Agreed 1000%. And so we can double down on this automatic. We, we are doubling will... down. Take this automatic, yes. and Because we know if there is another automatic, Steph, is that as we're now into February, it's only going to get crazier this basketball season as we're getting closer and closer to March, which obviously we love when that madness rolls around. But that is it for this episode of Automatic. And as always, please follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and let us know your thoughts by rating and reviewing. And thanks for investing your time to listen. This is Automatic.